Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. All right, Dig a Bit number three for month six in our glory study. This is the month of February, if you're current, of 2020. Just wanted to give you really quickly one hypothesis. Once more, we're in Leviticus 10. I wanted to give you one hypothesis about what the strange fire uh, signified in Leviticus chapter 10. This was, of course, as we've already said, the beginning of the Levitical system. This was early on. This was the sacrifice that Nadab and Abihu made with the strange or common fire the unauthorized some versions say the unauthorized fire and because it was unauthorized then god struck them dead by burning them with a fire from heaven i just wanted to quickly give you one hypothesis about what that strange fire signified what it really was from from adam clark if you read from clark's commentary you know that um, it's a very rich commentary he's only a man and so there may be mistakes in it and i'm not positive that i agree with this hypothesis but i thought it was very interesting and there's some scripture here that makes me believe that this very well could could have been the case when we look at the end of leviticus chapter 9 when God through Moses commanded Aaron and his sons about the sacrifices that were to be made for the sins of the people and they did it correctly they laid out those sacrifices the way that they should have verse 23 Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people why did the glory of the Lord appear there Well, it appeared because he promised his glory would appear when they did this correctly. Verse 6, Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. So they did it, and then the glory of the Lord appeared in verse 23. And look at verse 24. That's where I want us to look just for a minute. And so there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. This was the glory of the Lord. This was them seeing the glory of the Lord because an unexplained fire came from directly from God and burned up the burnt offering and the fat. And the people saw it. That was them viewing glory. And they shouted and their response was that they fell on their faces when they did it right here the glory of the Lord came and what was that glory how was it shown in a fire that came directly from the Lord and burned up the the offering and the fat and that was the manifestation of God's approval here and that was so that showed the people his glory now just following that then nadab and abihu the sons of aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the lord which he commanded them not i'm not sure what that strange fire was but adam clark believes that that strange fire was just simply because it wasn't directly from the lord as it had been in the last verse of chapter 9. 
He says here, the manner of burning incense in the temple service was according to the Jews as followed. One went and gathered the ashes from off the altar into a golden vessel. A second brought a vessel full of incense and a third brought a censer with fire and put coals on the altar. And he whose office it was to burn the incense strewed it on the fire at the command of the governor. At the same time, all the people went out of the temple from between the porch and the altar. And each day they burned the weight of a hundred denarius of incense, 50 in the morning and 50 in the evening. The hundred denarius weighed 50 shekels of the sanctuary, each shekel weighing 300 and 20 barley corns. And then he goes on to say, in the preceding chapter, which is chapter 9, we have seen how God intended that every part of his service should be conducted and that every sacrifice might be acceptable to him. He sent his own fire as the emblem of his presence and the means of consuming the sacrifice. That's what we saw in the last verse of chapter 9. And then it says in chapter 10, we find Aaron's sons neglecting the divine ordinance and offering incense with strange, that is, common or unauthorized fire. Fire that was not of a celestial or heavenly origin. And therefore, the fire of God consumed them. Adam Clark goes on to tell us that the very thing that they were supposed to use in the sacrifice was what ended up being their destruction. That the fire from God was what was supposed to have burned the sacrifice. But instead, that was what consumed them. He says if that fire had been properly applied, it would have sanctified and consumed their gift. But it became now the very instrument of their own destruction. He goes on to say, how true is the saying, the Lord is a consuming fire. He will either hallow us or he will destroy us. I thought that was just very interesting. Adam Clark's theory here is that they were to have waited for celestial fire rather than using a fire that was created by man. I don't know. I'm not sure about the validity of that. I'm not sure that God intended and did send celestial fire for every sacrifice. In fact, I rather doubt that. But I thought that that was very interesting that in verse 24, at least on this occasion of the institution of these sacrifices, of these commands directly from God and of them being followed, that God did show his glory through a celestial fire. Could it have been that Nadab and Abihu were to wait for a fire to consume this sacrifice from God himself? A sanctified celestial fire? I don't know for sure. What I do know though is that Nadab and Abihu knew what they were supposed to do. They knew exactly what fire they were supposed to use. They knew what was authorized and what was unauthorized and they did not respect God's holiness. Instead, they offered what was common to man when they should have been offering what was sanctified by God. I think we can really go a long way with that in applying it to our worship today. Let's park first at the sacrifice of Jesus. Did it have to be perfect? Did it have to be unblemished? Did it have to 
meet requirements that were set forth in prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures? Why, certainly it did. And it met every one of the qualifications of the sacrifice that God had set forth in the Old Testament. And that's why, that's why the temple veil was torn. That's why we can enter into the holy place and have our prayers offered in the most holy place by the high priest who is Jesus Christ. It's because the sacrifice was done according to the specifications of God's will. And then when we think about our own worship, our own Lord's Day coming before his throne with the prescribed worship, do you think it's important that we observe that God's commands about worship are sanctified and holy? Do you think it's important that we set aside the communion and that we concentrate on the holiness of the body and blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice? Do you think we have to sanctify that in our hearts? Why, obviously we do. Do we have to present the hymns that we sing without flippancy, without a disregard for the meaning of those words. No, we have to sanctify them. We have to realize that worship is our coming before the very throne of God through the intercession of Jesus. And we have to observe all of the commands and statutes that God has given us regarding worship. And then, of course, we think of Romans 12, 1 and 2, where our very lives, our actions every day are living sacrifices. That's why we have to understand the difference between the world and the Lord. And we can't mix those two things up. We have to know the difference between the profane and that which is holy. Verse 10 of chapter of Leviticus chapter 10 is what we'll close with. And that you may put a difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. And that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. Here we have the conclusion of the Nadab and Abihu incident. And what it is is that the children of Israel and the, the spiritual Israel today, the church of God, are to be sure we understand the difference between that which is of the world and that which is holy, that which is common and that which is sanctified and that we can teach the statutes to our children, to all of the church, that we may constantly be reminded that our God is a consuming fire, that he intends for us to know the difference between that which is common and that which is holy and clean in his eyes. May he bless us as we do two things, as we first recognize that the ultimate blameless sacrifice was Jesus Christ. That's why Leviticus 10 is important, is to show us that the sacrifice has to be right. It has to be holy. And that holy sacrifice for us is Jesus Christ. And then may we understand the, the importance of being sure that we are following the statutes and commandments of the Lord in our worship and that we are discerning between the holy and the profane as we worship and as we live our lives every day. Thanks for listening. 
If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Digabit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.